0: Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.
1: This is Utah Weekly Forum, a public affairs show dedicated to learning more about the issues affecting our lives and health and exploring the resources available in our diverse communities to help. Here's your host, Rebecca Cressman. Welcome to this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. I'm your host, Rebecca Cressman, and every once in a while, we are super fortunate to talk to Dr. Susan Madsen. She's the director of the Utah Women Le- Leadership Project. She's also the uh, professor of the inaugural Karen Haid Huntsman, endowed professor of leadership at the John M. Huntsman School of Business at Utah State University. Dr. Madsen, thanks for being here today.
2: Oh, so great to be on again, to be able to talk to you about some of the important topics that we
1: have. Yes. So you're often, in fact, for those who are just new to the Utah Women and Leadership Project, you're going to want to learn more about it because Dr. Madsen and her fellow researchers have been looking at every angle of women's life and leadership and educating the community with that data. So I want to talk with you about some of the new research that's out from a policy brief that's called Perceptions of Gender Bias in the Utah Workplace. Tell us more about that.
2: We're really excited about this research. Dr. Helen Nags is the one that did the study for us, and we coached her and, and worked with her on this particular study. And what this did was to get folks from the state of Utah, men and women, to respond to a particular survey that looked at women's struggles and challenges in the workplace. And what it did was looked at women and their perceptions of these biases and challenges in the workplace and then also surveyed men on their perceptions of women's biases and, you know, the biases and challenges that women have, and then compared the two. Like, do women and men think the same or understand or see or perceive some of the challenges women have the same or are they quite different? And so that was really interesting. There's been a few studies out there that are more global and national in scope, but this was the first one we did, and I've seen done in the state of Utah.
1: Well, let's talk about that. What did you learn about the difference between what women and men perceive?
2: Well, this it really followed national trends in so many ways, and so this had really 18 different categories. Well, uh, the bigger categories were looking at things like male privilege. Like they surveyed, we surveyed women to say, How do you perceive male privilege? And then men, do you see male privilege? And actually, that was the most striking one and the lowest one. What we found out is women see that men have privilege, but men, that is their lowest perception. They don't see that other men have privilege. And so that was an interesting one. We also looked at insufficient support, like do women feel like they don't have enough mentors compared to men? Do men see that? How about sponsors? Are they excluded from activities and those kinds of things? And, of course, as you would expect, women see those things more significantly more in the research than men do. There's other ones as well that I think are so important, like salary inequity. So in the state of Utah, women see that significantly, that there's a wage gap here in the state of Utah. And some men see that, but the score that we, you know, are reporting is significantly lower for men. And, and some other things like workplace harassment, same kind of results. And so it's really interesting research. Oh, yeah. We learn so much about
1: each other from these research and policy briefs. And for those who are curious, this is the policy brief number 51, released June Seventh from the Utah Women and Leadership Project.
2: I do want to say something that's really interesting, though. So on things that are related to women themselves, like their confidence, um, do they self-silence? do they limit themselves, men's scores are higher in that element than some of women's. So that's an interesting wow. thing.
1: Did that surprise you? Because I know in some of your earlier research, it showed that men will apply for jobs that they're underqualified for, where women tend to apply only when they have almost all of the qualifications listed in that job
2: on that one it's not a surprise for me because i've looked at the national research and so when we often say well certain things are women's fault like they don't have enough confidence or they're not talking when they should or they're limiting their own careers by the choices they make and so those things women say yeah we do that but men say oh women do that a lot
1: Ah, okay. So men see women as putting much more limitations on themselves than women say they're actually doing. So
2: when you can kind of blame women, (laughs) that's what we're seeing in here Wow. um, on that particular one. So it's very interesting, but I did find, like I said earlier, I did find that the male privilege was definitely one, you know, and, and women, we don't understand men experiences always, you know, as well. So we have to note on both sides. Men don't understand women's experiences. They can't experience everything we're going through, but the opposite as well. But what we know from the research on white people like me or on gender that we don't see our privilege that well. And we see that significantly in this study that women are seeing that men do have a leg up in so many different ways and men It's kind of invisible to men. And so the same thing, like I said, that the research nationally has found in terms of being white and not a person of color that we don't see as white people are privileged nearly as much as other people when they're looking at us. So it is fascinating to just look at, you know, the whole male allyship category or topic is super important. We're not going to change the experience of girls and women unless men are in the conversations, unless men perceive, or at least try and have some empathy and compassion for some things that women go through in the workplace and other settings. And so this is a real baseline to say, what are women seeing as challenges? What are men seeing that women face as challenges?
1: Well, it's interesting, too, for me, because every time I have a chance to read one of your policy briefs or to uh, read one of the snapshots from your research, my original perception of what I thought the world might be like changes. Yeah. It's why this research, to me, is so very important that the Utah Women and Leadership Project is doing. Because the only way to have a more accurate perception of what other people are going through is hearing from them themselves.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's it is. I mean, the more that we become aware of any topic, for instance, domestic violence, that that topic has now, you know, seen the light of day uh, this particular year because of such tragic things that have been happening in our state around domestic violence. But even a few years ago, most people would say, you know, we don't think that that happens. We don't think about violence happening. Um, and, And when you start looking and things catch your attention, then you're like, wait, maybe one in three women in the state of Utah are experiencing domestic violence. And, oh, that means maybe it's someone in my neighborhood? Maybe it's someone in my family. So those kinds of things are so important to, you know, read the reports, get a taste of what the research is saying on all kinds of topics, including this particular research that was well done and and I think just gives us insight. And, And we're not necessarily dinging men, right? More and more men want to be allies. And so when men read this research, they're like, Well, oh, maybe I need to pay more attention. And like I said, we as women don't understand all of men's experiences either. So that's important to note. Well
1: as I was reviewing part of the policy brief it was interesting because one of the data points was talking about constraints in the workplace like limitations and it said that women perceived disproportionate yeah. constraints existing in the workplace they they were significantly more likely to perceive that there were unequal standards in place yeah. and that men yeah. of course were not experiencing that so they weren't perceiving that
2: yeah absolutely those constraints are very real and I've done global and national research, so we see this there. Oftentimes in Utah, we, we see the same kind of constraints, but in more conservative societies, you tend to see more, more constraints. So the, that unequal standards that this survey instrument picked up were, were things like, you know, I have to work harder as a woman. Maybe women perceive I really have to do different things. I have to work, you know, twice as hard. For certain things than men as they observe what's happening in the workforce, and those are perceptions that are not just in Utah, but beyond. And the research continues to find that that's the case, especially in leadership roles, that women have to show up more, that they have to, trying to think of how to say this, that they have to perform even above and beyond what a man might so that they can be taken seriously. So that element is called unequal standards. And then constraints on careers. We see that quite a bit in the state of Utah on the research, many research studies. And that can start even how we're socialized. And so constraints on your career choices. So we see that when we look at what women in the state of Utah compared to the nation are majoring in in college. We have, even though nationally we have lower levels of women in STEM areas, in Utah, it's even more exaggerated. And so oftentimes that's a piece, our choice of career. But then, as you well know, Rebecca, um, (laughs) women tend to have more of the caregiving responsibilities and the emotional load, we call it, Yes, where we worry about lots of different things. And oftentimes women do not, especially in the state of Utah, don't want to move up into leadership careers because they feel like they're not going to be able to do all the the second career, right? Your home, your kids, your family, and do leadership at the same time. And what we know is most men don't face those constraints in the same way that women do. So I I have to say not, I mean, there are men that are stay-at-home moms who are are single fathers and those kinds of things, and we always need to keep those in mind. But generally speaking, there are some constraints that women put upon ourselves sometimes, but also society and men put those same kind of constraints. And and the last one I, I will mention is the research really looked at constrained communication so you know a lot about that, is that men and women communicate differently. And sometimes, depending on where you're at, what the research says is we are assertive. It often, as women, is judged uh, by men and women as aggressive. So we have to really pull back. Two friends
1: taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night.
2: Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do.
1: When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. You could get assertive comments and assertive actions by a male, and it could be seen as a positive. You get those same assertive comments or actions by a female, and it can be perceived negative just because of that built-in gender bias. Yeah,
2: just as more harsh, I guess, I would say. So if a man said the same thing with the same intonation or whatever, assertively, it would be viewed as assertive. If women did the same exact thing it would be often viewed as aggressive, even if it's the same tone. And then when you add a person of color, so if you have a woman and a black woman, those two together really amplify um, how you're constrained. And so we have to often back out a little bit and think, gotta be careful in the way I say this. And there's a lot of emotional labor that comes from, especially in STEM areas and non-traditional areas for women, You really, you know, a lot of the communication women are wrestling with, do I say this this way, say it a different way, how do I tiptoe around that? And you don't see that in every workplace, but you do see that in many.
1: And where you see it, it's such a tightrope that women are trying to walk in order to be successful and move up that corporate ladder. The research also looked at something called acquiescence and hostility. Can you explain a little bit more about what that is about? Like acquiescence, for example, is that when women have to give up or rein themselves back instead of engaging in something or championing something that's important to them?
2: Yeah, and that one really is made up of two components, and they're called self, I mentioned this before, self-silencing and self-limiting. And so these are some of the things that sometimes people say, well, You know, it's really their fault. They didn't speak up. Or they're the ones that made the choice not to do this. And so they acquiesce. They're like, okay, let someone else do that role. Or, no, I won't negotiate because, you know, I don't deserve those things. So that does happen. The key, though, when we think about acquiescence is that women are socialized different. Girls are than boys and men. And so um, oftentimes they're expected not to talk out. And when they do share views, then people look down on them, men and women. And so it's, it's an interesting kind of thing to wrestle with, right? Because we're socialized to behave in different ways than men are. So a lot of people just acquiescence. They're like, oh, that's not my role as, as a woman, or I won't be, I won't speak up because it's inappropriate for me to speak up. But again, I would not put the blame on women themselves because there's been socialization and what the research tells us, if women do step forward and use their voice and negotiate and do some things like that, that they're judged more harshly. So it's really interesting to look at some of these challenges. And I don't know if you saw, Rebecca, that that there were some differences by religion. Did you see that? I didn't see that that area. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's with the sample size, they basically put Catholics and people in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in one category as religious, and then everybody else in another category as, you know, no affiliation. What the research found was people who were in the religious category specifically saw less issues, with any of these. So men and women both, but more men saw that no these things are not really a problem. Women don't have these challenges. They just didn't see the challenges as much as people that were not religious.
1: So is it showing that our religious view can also affect the way we view men and women's roles in the
2: workplace? I think in other words the religious group was less likely to recognize or express that they were aware of workplace gender bias than the non-religious group was. So basically, that's what it's saying is more religious people just are not recognizing. They're just not aware that there really are challenges, particularly in the workplace for women. So I thought that was an interesting comparison. And another thing that I think you'll find interesting is the data was separated into age. And this was a bit of a surprise to me. Because the youngest age actually, you know, 20 to 30, saw less barriers than older people. And so you could say it different ways. But one is that maybe they just haven't been in the workplace long enough (laughs) to see it. Or, and then some people will say, well, maybe that means that the younger folks are not, maybe there's not as much bias in the workplace. Other instruments kind of conflict on that, but we don't know causation exactly, but you look at different reasoning, and sometimes the longer you're in the workplace, the more you see. So, um, Absolutely. The more
1: you recognize. And also sometimes the older we yeah. get, the more aware we are of uh, wh- of what's happening around us, too. It kind of comes with maturity and, and our expectations yeah. for the type of contributions we should be able to make. It often expands with time. It's interesting. Yeah. One of the things that I have admiring you so much is how you have made the case over and over again, in order for us to have women get greater access, better jobs, leadership opportunities, and help the overall Utah economy. In that way, we need male allies. Absolutely. So how does this kind of research, this policy brief released by the Utah Women Leadership Project,
2: help make change for the future for women in the workplace? So I think it can help women and men. Women understanding what the barriers are in terms of themselves, but also there's a lot of ERGs, employee resource groups. What are topics that we can do, you know, and talk about and bring in speakers and all of that. But men, this is so important for men too. So what are men seeing a little bit more? What are they not seeing? What are some areas that we can do to design male allyship courses? I've heard a lot of men in Utah say, hey, I would like more tools. Help me understand these things because I think – When you understand that maybe this is what the research is saying, and then you ask a woman that you're working with, hey, have you seen this? Have you experienced this? And then you hear one-on-one from them, their experiences. Then you start looking and seeing. So I think this what I like about this instrument is that it gets specific. Uh, Instead of just talking about general challenges in the workplace that women struggle with, it gets more specific on... Is it this or is it this or is it this? And then you can design some good training and education and awareness, you know, strategies and just training and development in the workplace to help people understand and see both men and women. That's what I'm saying. And then you add, of course, some additional challenges. This study didn't pick up race, but other studies have picked up that race. And so I think that um, is really important. And, And again, I mentioned this earlier, that the male privilege was the gender bias factor in this study that had the largest differences in perception between men and women. And that was also the one that males rated the very, very lowest, that they just didn't see that men had privilege in the workplace compared to women. And so what that means is that we just have to do more work in raising that awareness, provide very specific examples, and and so forth. The whole topic is interesting, and we're not, again, trying to pit men against women we're trying to just give people tools to understand. And and as you said, Rebecca, raising awareness is really the key for all of us.
1: Yes, for all of us, regardless of what race we are or whether we're male or female or where we come from, we can all learn a lot more about what personal biases we're carrying with us as we go to work and engage in life day to day.
2: So much of this is unconscious. So it's just how we were raised, how we perceive things. So we don't see it. And I tell you, I've been working on race for a number of years. I still have a lot to, to learn. But the more I've read and studied and listened to people and tried to push myself to learn and grow, the more I do understand that I do have privilege. But it takes some work. It takes some work.
1: Yeah, it takes work and curiosity and maybe some courage to take a close look at just how level the playing field really is. I've loved that there's been this message with the state of Utah that when you strengthen women, you strengthen them economically, you strengthen communities, and you strengthen the state of Utah's economy. But as I was reading, I um, for those who've just joined us, we're just finishing a conversation with, with Dr. Susan Madson about the new research and policy brief that came out of the Utah Women and Leadership Project. It's called Perceptions of Gender Bias in the Utah Workplace. And looking at all these different areas where there is perception Different between men and women about women in the workplace. But your summary is so um, powerful because it talks about why it's so important for change to occur top down.
2: Yeah, and we're talking about changing the workplace. I mean, everybody needs to be involved, but if it doesn't come down from leadership, if it's not important, it's not going to get you know, the the support and emphasis that could be. We just need the top people in companies and workplaces and organizations to know this. But why it's important is not just because it's it's important that there's equality. I mean that's one thing, right? Right. But over and over there's research that continues to say that when you really I use the word unleash a lot, when you really unleash this opportunity and access to everybody men, women, people of color, you actually get better results in your organization. you actually can have better employees that culture makes a difference and so if there's really inequality and if we just go with oh everybody thinks equal by what we see consciously and we don't push ourselves to really wrestle with that unconscious, then we can't get the best work and to have the best environment for our organization have the foundation of the work that we should be doing. Well, I'm
1: very appreciative that you would take time to help us better understand this policy brief. And if you're listening right now and you're thinking, I need to review this. I want to share this with other people in the workplace. You can find it at utwomen.org. That's U-T for Utah, women.org. Dr. Susan Madsen, thank you so much for joining us on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum.
2: Thank you so much.
1: Utah Weekly Forum is produced by KSFI FM 100.3 in Salt Lake City, a Bonneville International Station. Subscribe to the Utah Weekly Forum podcast online and email us at rebecca at fm100.com. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold.